welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by Artifact Uprising, a sister-owned company helping us honor the meaningful moments in our lives through printed photo gifts, books, and more. Their beautiful minimalist products are made from recycled papers, reclaimed materials, and all in the USA, which we love. Learn more about Artifact Uprising and support upbringing by visiting today's show notes at upbringing.co. Now onto our empowerment. Welcome to our empowerment for the week. Mm-hmm. We love without condition. Basically, we love unconditionally, but it didn't fit in the fucking image. So, And you are a graphic design nerd. <laughs> so, Kel, we changed it up. I don't regret it. We love without condition. It's almost more poetic that way. It sounds a little poetic. It sounds I like, like it. I actually want to do it. <laughs> well, wait for the episode, then you're like, holy fucking shit. Okay. For okay. those people who have not heard our empowerments before, mm. have heard our twin talks. Welcome to the season. Yeah. what Season three. What are these empowerments about? Kelty, you love talking about I do. our empowerments. I feel like you always you do a, a great job. I value that. Okay. I think that the empowerments are really about getting into some of the big value systems around our parenting and our approach to that parenting, mm-hmm. which, believe it or not, begins with awareness and intention mm-hmm. and then trickles down into our attitude, then in, trickles down into our thoughts, our behaviors, and then our interaction with with our kids, which right. is our principal issue. Everyone listening is like, my interaction with my kids is struggling. All of us are struggling about it. So, right. but it all starts with our beliefs, right? Yeah. And these empowerments go. They they like it's like they're re- we're redefining our beliefs and then trying to hold true to that in a way, right? Yeah, I think they say like, here are all of these really tough things. Our kids' messy emotions, the fact that they change their skill set every day, they can't meet our expectations, they can't do anything by themselves, or they insist on doing everything by themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of these things are incredibly inconvenient and discombobulating and feel really tough. Cheers to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, then we return to these ideas, these empowerments. These are all backed by research. They kind of pop the bubble, so to speak, mm-hmm. that everything our kids are doing are really developmentally appropriate and healthy and necessary and that somehow crazily go against these beliefs we have culturally about how children should behave and how parents should parent. And that's what we're doing here. Such a huge part of upbringing, I think, is this countercultural approach and view of parenting. Yeah. You know, it, it's a little radical, but these empowerments seem very reasonable. I wouldn't say they're easy. <laughs> But in practice, no. And that's why they're there. They're reminders. Mm -hmm. But we wrote these empowerments from these challenges to remind us, basically, to lean into this hard stuff consciously, to trust, to connect instead of control, or judge, or shame, or manipulate. Like all the the unconscious things, the unconscious hand of parenting is what we call it. Right. right? And with the idea that being parents, it's not our entire lives. It's not... The most thing we'll ever do, the best thing we'll, the ever, most do, thing we'll ever do, the <laughs> biggest thing we'll ever do. It's the most. It's right. It's it is something we're doing that has value, and that with that value requires our awareness and our thought it's a and our intention. It is a responsibility, just like anything else. So that's where we're coming from here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we make it a little earnest. Sure, that's, that's our fear and our hope. At <laughs> I the am same preempting time. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this idea, so loving conditionally, loving unconditionally, that sounds a little crazy to me, yeah. Kelsey. What? I mean, let's just big picture it. What are we going to talk about in this talk? We're going to talk about some big picture ways that we struggle to create boundaries and teach our kids things while still being their person. Mm-hmm. It's a big struggle, right? Uh, I mean, 
staying a person and not falling into a role that we never defined ourselves, that we never completely said, I love this, I'm buying into this. Mm-hmm. So much of what we do is very unconscious. This whole podcast exactly. could be about the conspiracy of parenting yeah. that we like <laughs> never actually signed on consciously for any of this. Yeah, totally. for sure. And then what else? I mean, it talks about this, the habit, the instinct, mm-hmm. this kind of unconscious reaction we do and we use, especially in those tough moments with our kids, right? And we're going to talk about some of the research, I think, mm-hmm. about how kids learn best, about how um, a self... Um, what's the opposite of self-conscious, self-confident mm-hmm. person is supported in mm-hmm. their growing, in their becoming. And how a lot of those, the, that education, that those experiences aren't built during the positive times, but they're actually really created in the tough times. And so that's why you and I are, we're like tough time junkies where you're like, let's go to that hard time. Let's figure out what happened. <laughs> if let's I could write that shit. you right now, I would, but we're too far away oh, with this new desk so situation. <laughs> <laughs> we will get closer. I will re-screw some things in or probably okay. just make Alex do all of it. But We can anyway. like foot five. There we, we did yeah. it. <laughs> Good thing we have long legs, right? Yeah. Um, okay, let's give some examples unconscious history loving conditionally versus unconditionally go right. in i mean instinctually historically we are taught through our own upbringings right our culture pop culture and beyond mm. i mean our experiences in just about any institutional setting that we should use power to get what we need to keep things in line to teach a lesson mm-hmm. to make an impression that's how we make an impression right that's what consequences are in parenting or threats of consequences. Mm-hmm. Any of those things is saying, I have power. I'm going to use it this way. Yeah, that's how you play the game, right? It's all right? about power. It's like, yeah. that's the game we play. Mm-hmm. And as a person in power, you withhold resources from the person you want to do something with the belief that this will motivate that person to act. We can withhold finances, opportunities, time, goods, privileges. Like you could think about any scenario, like workplace, schools, prisons, whatever it is, but it's it's consistent. That is the the give and take of yeah. our society. That's how it goes. Um, Alfie Cohn, dear beloved Alfie Cohn, mm-hmm. an amazing writer and researcher, has written extensively about this, and he talks about how we talk about that the home is no exception, you know. And when it comes to relationships, there's so many other things we can withhold. We can withhold our attention, our affection. Good favor, esteem, love, essentially. I think that's what it is. Like you we know? say we love unconditionally, but really everyone's like, I do love unconditionally. And I know we'll get into mm-hmm. this later, but yeah. thinking about those other words, attention, affection, good favor, esteem, those mm-hmm. are things that we withhold yeah. to teach, they're, they're to punish, to they're, they're, they're a power an actual tool. tool. It's crazy. Totally. I mean, I can't help but flash back to the playground in grade school when mm-hmm. oh, just I can see my teacher's face so mad what at me. What teacher? I can't remember her name. She had a bowl oh, good. cut, you, like, blocked brown it out. hair. I don't know. Mrs. Westoble? No, no. It might have been even kindergarten. Uh, it was like a recess teacher. Uh-huh. I threw bar chips at some asshole. Mm-hmm. And she, the, her face looking at me was just so upset and mad mm-hmm. and and shaming and judging. like Or... We all think back to the cafeteria in middle school when we're given a silent treatment mm-hmm. by some blonde, yeah, whatever. That feeling like someone's pissed at me. Someone pissed is pissed at me. I'm getting a vibe. I'm on the I'm outs. Like, yeah. I don't have a sense of understanding. <clears throat> I don't have a sense of belonging. I don't have a sense of, of feeling worthy for whatever reason. I think we can all, we've all been there. We can place ourselves in that spot of shame, dread, self-doubt, self-hatred, helplessness. It's basically all the shit we're working through right now in our 30s. <laughs> And totally. 40s to, to, you know, work against. Right. Yet, we are also parents. How is parenting mm-hmm. different in this context? It's not. You know, but <clears> I think we, we, we become parents and we're like, well, that's just how the world works. That's how the game's played. Mm-hmm. If you don't do this, I'll take away this. If you don't do that, if you do this, I'll give mm-hmm. you this. That's how we are all raised. That's, these are all the institutions we live and work in. So why would that not be happening in our homes? You know, well, it's hard. It's like when my back's to the wall, I feel often that the only card I have left to play is my approval. Mm -hmm. 
you know, like you don't like if to I do punishments. I don't. Right? I don't. Do or some kids don't or, do well with punishments. Yeah. Mine particularly. They're like, fine, <laughs> like, punish me, whatever. Punish me, I'll take whatever. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Keep taking the stuff away. I don't care. Yeah. Um, or incentives. They're like, I'm not going to play that game either. Um, having highly sensitive, spirited kids has pushed me into a place where yeah. normal manipulation tactics are not <laughs> effective. But thank God, yeah. in a really great way, it says, fucking grow up, Kelty. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously. Yeah. Can you talk face-to-face to this other human being instead of manipulating them like an animal? Right. And I'm sorry to speak that frankly, which, but it's what we do as parents. It's, yeah. it's our common culture it's to just a normal. huge degree. Yeah. But I think what we're saying today with this empowerment is we love without condition. It doesn't have to be this way, yeah. y'all. And secondly, we do have some skills we can use beyond these traditional back-to-the-wall behavioral <laughs> tactics. Like use our power for good. Yes, right. <laughs> we have power. How are we going to use it? Yeah. And we talk about using influence instead, but mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that. But, you know, this also, you know, this happens in the workplace. This happens at the Burgerville drive through This happens at <laughs> random places where we have to, like, pull our rank and be like, dude, if you don't do this, then this, then mm-hmm. I will write you a bad review or you will be fired mm-hmm. or whatever. But with parenting, this is even trickier yeah. because where there are attachment figures, we have so much power over how th- our kids conceive of themselves, how they think about us, how they think of our relationship and their place in the world. That's what so much of this episode is going to be know? about, I think, is that yeah. it's so much about identity. How we yeah. react to our kids in these tough moments is is shaping who they perceive themselves as. Yeah. It's huge. It's huge. I'm I'm gonna bring out some Alfie Cone quotes, Kel, yeah. oh in this boy. episode. Guys, don't and Google him image wise. Do not look at him. He's like Terry Gross, don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> or so many other people you're like, just listen to their voice, just read just their words. Listen to Chrissy Hine, just don't listen. go any farther. Yeah. Um so he says we are, and this is in his book, Unconditional Parenting, which like blew our fucking minds. Yeah. Like crazy town. Um, he says, we're led to place conditions upon our approval. Led to do so not only by what we were raised to believe, but also by the way we were raised. That's really huge. I'm just going to segue really mm-hmm. quick and say those two things, mm-hmm. not just our our experience, our muscle memory, but then what we've absorbed since then. Yeah. Those two things are so it's much a at play. Lot. It's a, a lot, lot of influence going on. Okay. And then it continues. You might say we're conditioned to be conditional. Instead, Alfie believes in loving kids for no good reason. Unconditionally. Loving kids for who they are, not for what they do. Because when our love is dependent upon what our kids do, they must, as he says, Earn it by acting in ways we deem appropriate or by performing up to our standards. To show our kids that they are loved and lovable only when they act in certain ways we want, the research shows that this makes things worse, not better. That's really tough. I hear those words. Kids must earn our love, respect, whatever it is, by acting in ways we deem appropriate or by performing up to our standards. Like parenting 101. Yes. (laughs) When I read that, a a part of me says, well, duh. Like, I think five years ago, we would have said, that's the the golden rule. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But when you think about it outside the family, outside the nuclear little bubble, Mm -hmm. when you think of it historically, when you think of it in the women's movement and so many other social justice movements saying, no, I shouldn't have to do that. I don't have to act in a way deemed appropriate by those in higher power from me. No, I'm going to resist. I'm not going to behave. I'm not going to be ladylike. Right. I'm not going to whatever. I'm sorry, yeah. but you know, you can't control me, basically. Yeah. It, by, with incentives, with punishments. If I believe something, then fuck you, you know? And we don't apply that at all to parenting. And that's the the kind of, you know, mind-bending, radical kind of shit we've got going on with upbringing right now that we're kind of mm-hmm. easing into little by little. But, you know, this, this empowerment is about, and this reminder says that, you know, this kind of stuff doesn't have to come into our homes. We don't have to allow it. 
you know? And it, it can be part of our work as women, as parents, to dismantle this system of manipulation and control mm-hmm. that we can really unconsciously use sometimes with our kids in moments of challenge yeah. and discipline, well, I basically. Think about my hopes, though, I think. Yeah. I want my home to be filled with loving, connection, Mm -hmm. teaching, learning, relationship building, emotional intelligence building. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is a common hope that everybody wants. And yet, we have this, like we mentioned earlier, this unconscious hand of the patriarchy reaching in and saying, pull this power play. Your back is against a wall, so give a consequence, give an ultimatum, give a threat, do these things, which is so natural. Mm -hmm. All of us get pushed into that feeling. Mm -hmm. So what are we going to do? Like... I mean, I think our general belief today, the statement we're making is that loving conditionally, loving our kids conditionally, saying, if you do this, then this, if you don't do this, then this, I, I love you a little less right now. I'm, I'm mad at you. I'm frustrated at you. It's not helpful. It's not necessary. And we can truly consciously take it off our job description. Mm. We don't have to do I this feel in like our clapping. parenting for so many reasons. I'm going to foot clap you. Okay. <laughs> um, can't you like... Like snap like, or like something. Snap. What, what's cool these days? I Jazzy don't know. fingers. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, Kel. What does loving? So people are like, I love my kids. What? What? Like, what does loving unconditionally look like? Yeah, I, actually, but I think I have felt like that sometimes too, where I'm like, okay, even when I'm mad, they know I love them. They must know I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember reading multiple times that research shows that it doesn't matter how much we tell our kids that we love them or show them in certain ways in the happy moments. But it's the ways that we detrimentally take that love away that Mm. undermines all the good we're trying to do, really. And it's really scary to think about it like that. Let's have a moment of grace. Yeah. I'm going to have a silent moment. (laughs) And I'm going to fill that moment with an... (laughs) self-forgiveness. Totally. An Alfie quote, he says... Another one? Okay. I'm going to keep going with these. Okay. The relevant question isn't just whether or even how much we love our kids... It also matters how we love them. Mm. And this is what brings together this idea of subjectivity, objectivity. Like we can think in our minds and in our little like programmed lives, this is what a parent does. This is what my experience is. And you and I have talked plenty in the last season, Kel, about how we're on the stage with our kids. What we do doesn't exist in a vacuum, in a bubble on our own. It actually affects another human being. And it's our it's our job, responsibility as parents to consider how that experience might be interpreted based mm-hmm. on the the unique person that our child is, you know, not to like totally lose our shit and blow our minds and freak out, but let's take it into account a little bit, right? Yeah, but that's it's a complicated statement because it yeah. makes me think like, okay, so kids don't think that we love them all the time if they don't feel it, which. When you say it that way, it seems yeah. totally fucking obvious. But that means that when we show anger, resentment, frustration, hatred, when we try to control them, they can feel unloved. Just mm-hmm. like when we can feel unloved in that same way when anyone shows that to us, mm-hmm. you know? Then that like trust isn't just redeemed later when we apologize or buy them something or you know, that it can really actually affect their sense of self and our relationship. Yeah. That's, that's really hard to hear. It really is, because it also makes us think about our own wounds and our own sure. experiences, and that we are all very visceral, raw, vulnerable beings. Mm-hmm. Vulnerable is a word we're going to use a lot here, and not just because Brene Brown is so cool and coined the word coined, but like she really brought it back back into fashion. I think a lot of this episode actually reminds me of Brene thinking about vulnerability, thinking about shame, thinking about worthiness and belonging. If Mm -hmm. you haven't read some Brene Brown, get out there. Mm -hmm. We'll put her in our show notes. Or watch her Netflix special. Oh, yeah. She's so cute and wonderful and brilliant. And she's like a sailor too. She does. A little bit. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think (sighs) it's moments like this too when I get to that point of like, oh, shit that my little demon on my shoulder mm-hmm. sl- starts speaking up and being like, that is so permissive. What do you mean? You're just going to let them do whatever they want? They're going to walk all over you? Mm-hmm. You know? It's like that that scared little voice in my ear. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's such a great reason to go to therapy, Kel. I mean, right there. 
to uh to lift that demon Shouldn't we all be in therapy set it free yes today is mental health awareness day mm-hmm. and so we're we're airing this a few days from now but seriously like get your fucking shit get dealt with to people. a therapist yes we all have this opportunity hopefully if we have the resources the insurance what have you sell whatever you need to do just get to a therapist that's the the um, kind of underlying message, I think, of all of this is that we can get help. We can move forward. We but all I have that potential. But consi- like yeah. shifting to our own mental health as parents, mm-hmm. like thinking about how so much of this struggle as a parent is separating what we do as parents from who we are as people. Mm-hmm. And then taking that idea into our parenting and saying, how can we in these tough moments with our kids separate what they are doing from who they are? Well, and realizing this that is, the reason fucking connected. Right, the reason we have trouble separating our mistakes mm-hmm. in parenting from our identity as, as a person as a person is because we were raised to connect those two things, to conflate them, to integrate them mm-hmm. in a really unhelpful way. And it's a, a way that's totally based in our society. Everyone's doing it. If you fuck up, then you're bad. If you're doing something good, then you're a good person. Like mm-hmm. how did we associate behavior with identity? It's in every single child book, like any fantasy book or fairy mm-hmm. tale. It's in most movies or TV shows, like you're good or you're bad. You do this, you're a hero, that. villain. Like, it's right. just a back to the binary thing we talk about a lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So why do we want to love conditionally versus unconditionally? Or no. other way. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to foot high five uh, well, you on I'm that sorry, one. Sorry. Un sounds bad. So I tend yeah. to like flip it in my brain. Why do we want to love unconditionally? Without condition. Yes. Is, that's Thank why you. That helps. Yeah. Oh, it's so much better. Again, poetic and helpful. Okay. Oh, first of all, they're learning. Our kids learning. It's We've talked about this in previous episodes. Mm-hmm. People do not learn, whether they're a child or an adult, outside of a safe psychological space. Right. When they're stressed, when we're stressed, we don't learn. So if I can if, say that straight up sure. from experience, if we're my worried whole life. that our livelihood is at risk, our relationship is at risk, our anything is at risk, our health, our worth, any, anything. Health, anything, then we're not going to be able to learn because our brains secondarily prioritize learning to survival. So mm-hmm. that's one, one reason. What's another reason? Um, loving unconditionally or without condition, as mm-hmm. we've said now, um, really prioritizes our connection yeah. with our kids. And it's not perpetrating power struggles or power struggle narratives mm-hmm. in a really rough way. Yeah. Let's do three very common examples that okay. I find myself in. And like this could be from like a one-year-old to a 14-year-old. Mm-hmm. And we're saying it in like the context of our kids, which are three and five. But something like we're, we are really pushed to say something like in those stressful moments, if you don't stay in your bed, I'm going to be really angry. Mm, I've heard that a lot and, you from know, friends and people too. It's so understandable. Yeah. It's a threat, you know, and, you know, it's really, really understandable to think that we're communicating cause and effect here and saying, I'm being honest with my feelings. If you do this, it's going to make me feel this mm-hmm. way. But when you think about it, what does a kid think or feel when we say that? You know, they yeah, that's think, something that I think because I always hear you say that. What are they hearing? Yeah. What are they hearing? What are they thinking about themselves, you, and their place in the world? And what they can often feel is that they won't be loved if they don't do something. That they're unlovable at times based on what we or what they do or don't do, right? Mm-hmm. Based on our expectations. And that that's not a healthy place to be. Okay, another example. Your kids push things a little farther sometimes. And you might be time. you might be pushed to say, "How could you break that when I told you not to touch it?" Mm-hmm. I'm I usually really, just scream, "Why?" I'm really disappointed in you. Yeah. And what does a kid feel here? You know, what does a kid learn? Mm-hmm. They learn that when I mess up or take a risk, I lose the love and esteem of someone I really need or look up to. And are they learning never to make mistakes? No. They're learning to never take risks or they're learning to hide their mistakes because Mm -hmm. guess what? We're all going to make mistakes. We'll talk about that later. That's really true. Okay. Third example. We're seeing that our kids still have not gotten their PJs on when we've asked them a million fucking times. And I look at them with that look. You know that one, Cal. I know that look. And then I turn around and I leave the room. Mm -hmm. Even if they're talking to me, 
I leave. We could call this stonewalling, cold shouldering, basically, isolating them. And what do they learn then? What do they learn? That when they're struggling to do something or needing support and skills to make something happen, that we aren't a part of it, that they are on their own, that they are not worth being there for. And this is all, these are, these are very sensitive interpretations, but this is all based on the research that says the way we respond in these challenging situations matters. It, it intricately affects their sense of identity when they're struggling. But Hannah, this is such a sensitive topic because I can be listening to this and thinking about this and I can say, yes, okay, I'm agreeing with this. I get this. Yeah. And I still can't always like... It's not about choosing, am I going to manipulate and do this in a way? Like so much of it is about a conscious mm-hmm. approach and so much of it is about unconscious. The moments that I don't have a threshold to do mm-hmm. anything but storm out of the room totally. or give them a withering look or I, say, why? Well, or that, whatever it is. That's what this episode is about, Kelty. It's talking about just opening our awareness and putting words to the feelings so that little by little by little we can start working back and gaining awareness, changing our beliefs, changing our thoughts, changing our behavior, changing our reactions. But changing the behaviors and interactions like the last step. Right. That's such a comfort to me. That shouldn't be the first expectation. It's not. It's just exploring these topics and getting honest with ourselves, you know, and, and acknowledging that the way we respond to our kids' challenges really contributes to how they feel about themselves and us and ultimately what they learn about conflict and how to work through it in the world yeah and we are their first example of those things and so not like oh don't fuck up but like no we're in it with them we have this opportunity let's consider it right i feel like i notice as a parent that i tend to take what it feels from the other side of it, just a situational issue. And I make it a relationship and identity issue. Mm-hmm. And that's so much about what we love without condition is about and what this whole episode is about. Like, why do I have to take just this situation and make it so personal mm-hmm. to my kid and to me? Why can't we separate those things? Yeah, why, why do we elevate it to this thing and escalate it to this thing that it doesn't need to be? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just... It's a way of using power, and it's a way that we have culturally and familially and personally been exposed to for operated. so long. Operating, yeah. but research is showing it's unnecessary and actually detrimental to progress and growth and all, all the good things we want for our families, right? So what what we would do instead what we're thinking about here for <laughs> I these love how three you're trying situations. to like get all perky because I'm like feeling so depressed like, right oh now. Oh my God, I'm sorry, Kelly. <laughs> Hang on. Hold okay. on with me. Give okay? the three examples again in ways that we would ideally want to interact. Obviously, when we're able to have cared for ourselves, to be examining our triggers, to be approaching this from the big picture feeling of this is okay. Mm-hmm. This is going to happen. This is important. This even, is- even if we can just be running through these ideas in our minds and then being in the situation and thinking about them at the same time. And then being in the situation and maybe not doing what we did the last time. And then being in the situation and maybe starting with one word. Like this is a very long process mm-hmm. that you and I are going on right now and sure. that we're inviting everyone listening to join us on. So this first example of going to bed and coming out multiple times, which some of us may have experienced, some of us may not. Um, so we would say something like, Okay, so I'm struggling with this situation. You need to be in bed right now, and you keep coming out. So let's sit down and connect so we can work through this. It's late. And so we'd scoop them back into bed and stay kind of positive, take a deep breath. And notice here that we're talking about our feelings as far as how they relate to the situation, not the kid. Not you're Mm -hmm. making me frustrated, as Mm -hmm. in you're responsible for my emotions. You have that power over me. And don't you dare use it if you want my love. Mm-hmm. That's uh, the general Struggling idea. is a word we use a lot. We say, I'm struggling. struggling. I am struggling with this, not you, but the situation. The situation of being a parent who's tired and of having a kid who's still awake. That's the real situation. It's getting honest with what's going on instead of projecting our shit onto our child. Mm-hmm. That's the basic Making idea. it personal. Right. Yeah. Number two. So something broke. They fucked with some of our shit that they were not supposed to. Wow, I'm so bummed this is broken. What happened here? We need to connect about this. 
And obviously, like that sounds like a very easy breezy <laughs> response. And I've done that before. I've you said also, me never. Right. I've done that a few times. Um, but if we are mad about it, again, turn around and take some deep breaths before we engage with our kids about it. Let those emotions bubble up to the surface. It takes about 60 to 90 seconds, researchers say, to come up, to go down, and then we can respond. Situation three. Okay, getting out the door, trying to get dressed. This right? big. Or was it PJs on? I can't remember. It was something about getting dressed. So <laughs> saying something like, uh, making an observation, which you and I do quite a bit. Instead of a judgment, we make an observation. I see you're still not dressed. We got to leave in 10 minutes. What can we do? We need some ideas, you know? And if we are like at our fucking tipping point, then we leave for a moment, as we say, without insult to get some space. And then we come back mm-hmm. refreshed. But again, pass. I will like flee out of the room so I don't yeah. put angry face on them because. Right. Guess what? When I do that, it makes everything worse. Mm-hmm. Always. Without a doubt. Well, with your kids, Kelty, it makes everything worse because they are highly sensitive and highly spirited. So it's like, it's just throwing fire on fire, baby. Yeah. But some kids actually pull in those power plays, hands That's on hard hips, part. Really. Like, what about face? when it works? Those things do work <laughs> sometimes. Pretty great. Right. It does but, not work with my kids. But I think that all of this stuff is based culturally, too, beyond just being normal. It's based on this mistaken belief that kids can only learn with threats, with withdrawal, like a love withdrawal, by feeling a sense of lack, by being controlled. Yeah. And that is a, a thing in our culture that is so pervasive. But research shows that everyone learns best in a safe psychological space. Mm-hmm. You know, when people are, con- as we said earlier, when people are concerned about their safety, their lovability, their sense of belonging, their future, their brain and body basically just focus on survival, not learning, which obviously secondary effect. So we want our kids to learn and getting mad at them actually makes it impossible for them to do so. So let's not do that, right? (sighs) Catherine Reynolds Lewis, love her. I know you love her. Put another one in there. The Good News About Bad Behavior is a a book I love. It's got some great research in it. But she... You know, she says the same thing that Ross Green, positive discipline. I love Ross. Can we Hand talk about Ross? You a got a bit? crush on him, Kel. Super crush. We'll save him for later. We'll okay. do a whole episode on Ross Green okay. for you. Um, Daniel Siegel, so many other respectful research based experts say that close emotional connection with clear boundaries is the magic combination. Yeah, that's and like, that goes that's against like the firm and kind that, thing. Right. But that goes against everything we've ever learned about parenting. What? A close emotional connection? helps people helps kids do better it helps me do better i should be pulling away that close connection to motivate them to do better but so back but i think that some of some of it i keep coming back to the thing of like conscious versus versus unconscious Mm -hmm. yes some of me is saying i should pull that away to show them and some of me is saying i have no choice Mm -hmm. that's all i've got right now yeah that's what's so hard about it it's just about skills it's about choosing other things you know when we use consequences when we shame or yell or use our love conditionally we lose that close emotional connection that is critical to our kids learning and that's why we started the resist approach Mm -hmm. that's why we said wait there are other things we can use besides controlling them which does not feel good for any of us we can respect we can empathize we can sync up we can innovate we can set limits. We can trust all of these things, mm-hmm. you know. But it's a it's a big ask, you know. You always uh, say that, Kelsey. I do. You're like, what's it's a, a big, big ask? ask every single fucking episode. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's such a stigma associated with parents mm-hmm. or anyone in any profession. I think who wants to forgo the quick tricks mm-hmm. and like basic control methods. Of listening and, and engaging and being vulnerable, it's you know, seen, like you're a pushover, yeah. you're a wimp, you're permissive, you, and like you're yeah. going to raise a spoiled brat. That's what people, that, or that's the the feedback, the ethereal feedback I get, or maybe the the little demon in my shoulder that I mm-hmm. talked about earlier, you know, yeah, that needs a shrink. Yeah, exactly. um, <laughs> you know, what everything is showing is that kids don't learn to stop doing the behavior right that what they learn is about themselves and that everything and their who they are their lovability their belonging is interconnected and always dependent on external factors and we don't want them to learn that no 
You know, if they're raised to believe that, how confidently and competently can they move into the world? You know, we want our kids to take risks, but how can they do that if they're constantly worried that they'll mess up and feel like less? We want them to recover and stay resilient in the face of challenges, but how can they do that if they take forever to recover from issues that they think reflect on their potential or their value? Yeah. We want our kids to assert their needs and ask for what they deserve. But how can they do that if they're constantly worried about disappointing people or burdening them? Mm -hmm. You know, we want our kids to accept their vulnerabilities and communicate those to others. But how can they have deep, meaningful relationships when they avoid ever getting mad or sad or feel like they can be themselves? Yeah. You know, we want them to feel in touch with who their true self is, you know? That is the goal here. You and I talk about is true self them, over best self. Yes, and yeah. connecting them to that that inner wisdom and that inner authority. And it goes against every single thing that we have been raised to believe about parenting and child rearing, like and any of that stuff. Busting it out to like a bigger picture. I feel like I'm often watching the news or just reading like Instagram posts or something, mm-hmm. and I'm just I'm struck with how many of us are out there and just. As adults. As adults, scared people who don't feel like enough. Like everything they do, every way they respond is some sort of compensation for that lack. Mm -hmm. You know, like our world is a bunch of wounded, insecure, scared people just running around defending their fragile senses of self and unable to connect beyond that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know? Let's go back a little bit, Cal. Oh, boy. Let's think back. I think that you and I deal really well with thinking about personal experiences in this realm. That's true. And so this is an, a slight awareness-building exercise where um, you and I, and I would imagine lots of people listening, have experienced the the duality, the, the, the two options of response from people who were in power above us, whether it was a coach, a teacher, a parent. And we felt that difference in experience mm. when we messed up. So walk me through, Kel, uh, a situation. And it doesn't have to be very specific. It can be like, I mean, whatever. When you said coach, it totally jumped out to me. Okay. Just because, and you can identify it because we were together, but our high school water polo coach was so different from our college water polo coach. Mm-hmm. And I think that... <sighs> I remember our college coach being like, come by my office after practice or leaving a message and saying, call me or we need to talk. We need to talk. Oh my God. Though. <laughs> like, but it made me, his approach to my performance and what I did and didn't do really affected me and made mm-hmm. me avoid. It made me avoid class and practice and want to sleep in and want to hide basically. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very, control-based, fear-based. I didn't feel that we were on the same page. I didn't feel that we were on the same team. That he trusted you. That he trusted me. Mm -hmm. I felt um, even in my best moments when he praised me, I felt he still doesn't know me. Mm -hmm. Or believe in you. Or believe in me Mm -hmm. all the way. And it's because he didn't believe in me when I was struggling and when I couldn't and he ultimately used the threat of your relationship to motivate you to exactly. change. Exactly. Yeah. And then compared yeah. to our high school coach, Aww. who was so fucking amazing. Yeah. And it was more of a like, hey, there's this thing. What can we do about it? I felt like so supported, connected. Unconditionally. And, yes. Yeah. And motivated to just make it do better. I like, remember fucking anything. up. And he, I just remember his face being like, with an <laughs> eyebrow raise, where I was like, because he's responding so minimally and lovingly right now, I want to work harder. Yeah. Like, I'm so sorry that happened. There are no defensive mechanisms but I think that's going what up it right was. now. Because of the way he approached it, it felt like it was about the situation and not about me as mm-hmm. a person, my, my inner self. And I think that this is a good opportunity for each of us to think about like casting our minds back mm-hmm. to those times. Like a parent, a coach, a teacher, a sibling, whatever it was, like... You know, how did you feel when mm-hmm. when they gave you feedback? Yeah. How, how did you they feel do when it? your boss was like, "Wow, you missed that memo or TPS report or whatever it was." Uh, <laughs> I am so just 
blown away. Um, you need to take the day off. And, I'm so disappointed. Um, we're going to talk your to jobs the re- at risk. regulatory committee, and you're on suspension, and I don't know about this. Uh, bye-bye. You're talking straight out Versus, of don't tell mom that babysitter is dead. <laughs> I was referencing office space, but that's okay. really cute, you think, like Rose. I love what is that it? Movie. Right on top of that? Yeah, right on top um, of that, Rose. But, you know, or a boss that's like, oh my gosh, this TPS report was missing. What's going on? How are things going with you? What was it that made you miss it? Let's talk about it. Let's fix it, right? I mean, connection over correction is one of the big themes in a talk like this. And that's one of those skills and tools when you're like, back to the wall. Mm -hmm. I'm used to using correction for everything. Yeah, but they're separating in those moments Mm -hmm. behaviors and performance from worthiness and value and that's really like the whole summary of this episode in a huge way you don't have to motivate a person or our children by putting their worthiness or our relationship at risk and that ironically undermines all of the things we want to do you know it's a superficial quick trick way to go about it that's super common Kel yeah that but we it, all use it right but it, and it's mm. also a sort of backward mental thing of like the hard stuff's the good stuff mm-hmm. like mistakes are chances for growth you know yeah. anyone who's ever done anything Elon Musk Oprah like mm. a teacher any of your idols like think about those people because they that's got, another belief rewrite it is, is saying wait they a got, second they got my there. kids fucking up that's okay that's good they got there because of their mistakes they learned because of their, their mistakes and not mm. learned like got punished learned mm-hmm. but learned in a really healthy uplifting empowered, empowered <clears throat> wonderful atmosphere no, they they kept going because they believed they were worth it that they deserved yeah. it that they had like you know a healthy sense of entitlement that we talk a lot about it which is very cu- countercultural right now like entitlement's a very dirty word but I like talking about a healthy sense of entitlement, though. Yeah. That we talk about for our right. kids. Um, so what do we want our kids to grow up saying? Let's want, think about the dream. You like to connect that, Kelly. I like, do. To connect to I, the it's, dream. It's my, it's my balloon. <clears throat> your touchstone. But, so when our kids mess up, I want them to be able to acknowledge and say, whoops, that didn't go right. So doing that versus denial avoidance mm-hmm. that ever all of these things start with us doing that back mm-hmm. to the our voice becomes their internal voice thing mm-hmm. i want our kids to be able to apologize and say like oh shit i'm so sorry that happened instead of just being defensive i want them to be able to problem solve like what can i do next time to prevent that versus blame uh, mm-hmm. they didn't do this or you didn't do this that's mm-hmm. why this happened and I want my kids to be able to ask for help. Like, hey, I'm struggling with this. Is there any way you could help me? Instead of just lying and covering it up mm-hmm. and worrying about the judgment and the unconditional love. I mean, all of those things, denial. Or conditional love, sorry. Right. Yeah. <laughs> denial, avoidance, defensiveness, mm-hmm. blame, lying. All of those are things and mechanisms to protect themselves from from un- unbelonging, from from a lack of love, mm-hmm. all of those things. And when from judgment, when, from judgment yeah. we, when we separate those things with our kids, we're teaching them nothing you do reflects on who you are. So dive into that situation, dive into that challenge, get, get real close with that issue. There's no fear associated because you are enough. And no matter this what, is, this is so cool. We're saying, here's our ideal. Here's what we're going to try to do with our kids. And then look at ourselves and say, we can observe that too. We can try to integrate that into our lives as well. Like that's the the big number is saying, let's try to model this for our kids and walk the walk and talk the talk so that maybe we fucking believe it at the end of the day too. Totally. Because when we don't, not the best stuff happens. Catherine Reynolds Lewis, a little mm-hmm. more research. I'm just going to throw it in there. And I want you guys all to read this book. It's a, it's a breeze. It's lovely. But she talks about when we do the yelling, the threatening, she calls it expressed emotion, mm. EE. Even when we have like perceived criticism, that heightens yeah. our kids' states of arousal. That stresses them out where learning doesn't happen, where there can be more acting out and behavioral issues. And research shows that kids are more likely to show symptoms of depression from the constant micro stresses. So it's it, it's just a big thing not to scare any of us just to consider that when we react negatively 
it affects our kids Hannah, and it affects you, us. You were like, at sushi the other night and you had a huge example of this. This was just a tough thing. Dad looks like totally normal, like hipster, cute dude, tattoos, cute hat, whatever. I'm like, oh, cute dad. And he was just literally critiquing his kid constantly, judging him critiquing him over and over and over through the dinner why you have the straw in your mouth like that why are you watching me showing you how to use chopsticks stop looking at the tv stop looking at the tv stop looking at the tv i was just like oh my god and like luckily my husband alex like reached over and like touched my leg because he like and then you found out it was the boy's birthday and then we found out it was his birthday and that's just how his dad acts even on his birthday and the thing that was the most disturbing wasn't what the dad was doing it was that the the boy was just so he looked like it was just like the most normal thing like would just like barely even respond like his sensitivity level had had gotten to so low because of what was going on but you just kept i kept thinking like what is he thinking inside and feeling inside i keep thinking about it from the parental perspective which is how is this guy doing like he doesn't have to be doing this this must be exhausting Mm -hmm. constantly But negative, negative effect on everybody. And his wife was sitting there and her sister and their younger son. And they were all just watching it happening, just kind of pretending it wasn't happening. It was just so painful on all of these accounts. And like he was doing the best he could. He was just doing what he knew. I didn't think stressed. about it. Like from earlier today, like the, the phrase perceived criticism mm-hmm. kept creeping into my mind from what we talked about <laughs> yesterday because I was trying to do an actual painting project with my five-year-old daughter oh, dear God. that wasn't like artistic painting it was like we were trying to paint a framed thing where globs and drips and things do matter and it it made me realize i don't have any high stakes situations with my children because it puts your relationship at risk it it turned me into a fucking crazy person that was being like (laughs) oh glob it's dripping yeah stop pass me the brush like it turned me into a crazy person and i had to repair like three times the rest of the day Mm -hmm. to feel like Maybe we were. But at the end of the day, what happened? At the end of the day, I was. I asked her. I said something, and then I asked her if she had any gratitude moments that she wanted to share. And she said the apology (laughs) and just put her arms around me. So it it felt minorly worth the stress of having her paint a fucking shelf frame thing that we were doing. But it made you realize how how. Like I could like, feel crazy about all yeah. so much more than I did about it's that. Rare, oh it's rare, but it's rare that you you put yourselves in that position. Yeah. So generally speaking, back to what we want to do. We want to raise kids that love themselves unconditionally, with self-worth, with security, mm-hmm. that feel a healthy sense of entitlement, right? That know if a relationship is toxic or a job isn't yes. enough. You know, so that they can stand up for those who aren't giving them enough and demand it, right? We want to raise kids that are emotionally resilient, taking risks and recovering after a challenge, who can separate their ego from situations at hand to at hand to persevere, right? To learn from their mistakes, not hiding or protecting themselves from censure. You know, we want to raise kids that can imagine how others are feeling and what they're going through. Yeah. Give them the benefit of the doubt rather than just focusing on their own self-preservation. And that allows them to choose partners who who can treat them well. And so that they can raise kids well, right? I mean, so much of this, I think, uh, you know, so much, a lot, a lot of my like child work and parenting work has been about marital work. And I love the Gottman Institute um, yeah. talking about future relationships and so much about approaching these challenges and struggles with our kids. We are showing them and creating this model of dealing with challenges. Oh, if you're doing something I don't like, how am I going to respond? Am I going to power play you? Am I going to isolate you? Am this I going to ignore you? This is such These a, are the things that they're going to do their partner to, It's a human to human example. It's yeah. not parent to child, person growing up needing to learn whatever. It's human to human everything. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So um, we'll put a link on Gottman Institute stuff and they've got some great books. Mm-hmm. But, but stonewalling, isolating, ignoring, these are a lot of things that a lot of us have grown up with and done. But I think the bottom line, Kel, is that this is a process. You and I always say this is progress, not perfection. These empowerments are a process. This is the process of parenting, of of reparenting ourselves, of growing up, and it doesn't happen overnight, you know? Reconsidering our beliefs is the starting point. Mm -hmm. And it takes time to rewrite our unconscious beliefs, you know? If we can just bust one myth that 
kids don't learn well when we're mad. Like if we can even just say, okay, I don't have to do these things consciously. Or and then try the to work, stuff work against work them. Or yeah. work against the, the, that feeling. Yeah. Yeah. But little by little, our reactions are going to get better the more we kind of wade into this idea. Okay, so we can take like conscious anger, consequences, stuff like that off our job description. Yes. What else can we do? Like a few little itemized mm-hmm. things that, okay. that are helping us at least. I mean, our mentality, let's do this together. Mm-hmm. Let's do this together. What about a softer face? Mm-hmm. Just consciously trying to make a softer expression mm-hmm. goes a long way. At least it does for my crazy kids. Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I think f- using phrases, changing our wording to things, saying things like, I'm struggling. Or when our kids are struggling and mm-hmm. being crazy, I'm here. I love you. We're struggling. This is what's okay to do. This is what's not okay to do. Let's figure this out. We can do it. Yeah. Changing, like the words inform me <laughs> and the inform word, my experience. And then tone. Yeah. We had, mm-hmm. did a whole episode on tone a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. And how it was like mindset, then tone, mm-hmm. then words. <laughs> but they're all connected mm-hmm. in like a trickle down thing. Yeah. I feel like it's more about holding a steady beat of love and warmth. Mm-hmm. That's something we talked about that. last week with Elizabeth too. Just mm-hmm. like trying not to be hijacked by our instinct, our upbringing, fear, shame, yeah. and just sort of staying the course and not dipping into those positive or negative. Those are all reactions right? based on fear for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I think this is also, Kelty, an opportunity and a reminder to go easy on ourselves and give us mm. ourselves grace and love ourselves without condition through all of this. You know, like you said earlier, it's all connected. Yeah. The things that we're trying to instill and support in our kids is an opportunity for ourselves to be growing. It's true. I, I feel like I have so much... I know we're talking about this is a whole parenting podcast, and I still struggle more in my marriage mm-hmm. in doing these things mm-hmm. with my partner than I do with my kids. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Totally. I think that the unifying element in all of this is, as we said, thank you, Brene, vulnerability. Yes. Yep. You know, the big fear that we all have is what happens if we're vulnerable? and our kid still won't put their shoes on. Mm -hmm. What happens if I'm vulnerable and my partner still won't pick up their fucking socks or whatever? Mm -hmm. You know, our culture tells us to believe that if we're vulnerable, we'll get hurt, we'll get let down, you know? And maybe we experienced this as kids when we were slammed down in moments of vulnerability or we saw that on TV or in our families, but we don't have trust in that communication. Mm -hmm. We don't have not just the skills to communicate effectively, which we could have done this whole episode on nonviolent communication, which is another incredible book. But, you know, we we don't have the trust in that, that real, honest, vulnerable communication with another person, you know, where we can show our needs and our skills and can make some real change happen in our relationship. I keep thinking about this though, like really in the context of women and anger. And Mm -hmm. this is something that keeps coming back because we're reading the books. Mm -hmm. We're going to have some women on here to talk about this as well. And we've had a lot of DMs and emails from people being like, what about my fucking rage? I'm so mad right now. How do I deal with this? Like the motherhood and rage is Mm -hmm. such a topic. And then I think back to what you said about like middle school girls giving each other the silent treatment. And I think about the, the, the ways that like the patterns that I have in my own marriage and even sometimes with you, why do I do the silent treatment? Like, where did this come from? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How I mean, many of our mothers expressed their anger? None. Like, I mean, of that generation, like those, those days people were were told be seen and not heard yeah, don't express your anger yeah. don't yell like it was their their don't be only lady like but yeah but it was their only tool mm-hmm. it was you know to and and i find myself pushed into a corner where i'm like i'm not gonna yell i'm not gonna punish i'm not gonna give consequences because i've read enough about what that does i'm trying to avoid it and my last resort like, resort your last is power tool mm-hmm. it is is silence mm-hmm in, but in a in a, um, a shamey way, yeah, in a in a power way, absolutely. Yeah. It's still my only power. It's yeah. I feel it's all I have unless I'm able to resort to these other and, powers. And there's nothing wrong with that. In in essence of 
it's so natural because generations of women have been silenced and have yeah. turned that silence into power. And we are dealing with that right now and realizing, okay, our passive aggressive silence is is not healthy either. What can we do instead? I want, okay. I want better for me and right. for my kids. Yeah, okay, rage isn't so great either. Uh, can we temper, find some sort of middle way in between outward rage and passive aggressive silence maybe rage. we're to the point where we can be <laughs> you know? more vocal and and be leaning into these things and that's what this whole episode is about too it's building just, the trust building the awareness yeah. building the skills around this gift when you think about being a parent our kids are ready and able to meet us there they don't have the baggage that our partners and our yeah. friends have of having been shut down when they express themselves or express their needs. You know, kids, they can do it immediately. You know, they're yeah, they, amazing. They come fresh to the table being like, uh, here's what I think over yeah. and over and over. Right, they're amazing. Yeah. And I think that the other gift, Kelty, is that all of this stuff gives us the chance to grow up, you know, to question and rewrite all of these beliefs and habits and ask ourselves, why we might be anxious around people who are in power over us or why we feel the need to scoot over by you more. Okay. Lie or omit things at work or think of excuses when we fuck up with our friends or give the boss a cold shoulder for a week when they were like I feel like I used to do that stuff so much more than I do now. But all these mechanisms that are protecting our ego, that are protecting our sense of self, that aren't really connecting to anybody or getting anything done, that yeah. are just protecting ourselves you know yeah um i think that you know with this vulnerability idea is that we're just we're encouraging ourselves we're encouraging all of you to approach conflict bravely and vulnerably with trust so that our kids can learn to do that too you and know? all of this is like if we can do it then our kids can do it. If right. we can learn this and practice this, maybe if, they can learn the, this and practice this. If we can this. learn and believe that every conflict, it's not a standoff. It doesn't have to come down to the worth of us or them, mm -hmm. the success of our relationship, win, lose, right, wrong, worthy, unworthy. It doesn't have to prioritize one person over another. It's not a fight. It's not an argument. It's a conversation. That's all it has to be. And we get that opportunity to rise to the occasion to do those things, which is, to be honest, a win-win. I think that so much of this parenting stuff out there is all about the kids. It's like, just love them unconditionally. Just give and give. Give and them give all your give. time. <laughs> give them all your love. Yeah. Give them all of you. And, you know, whatever's left, uh, have fun, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's a win-win for all of us, you know, because we're getting that opportunity to, to really authentically show up vulnerably and to deal with some of our shit that we haven't dealt with before mm -hmm. in therapy at a therapy on a podcast with a friend wherever you are <laughs> i also think you know, about this like, and to work on our relationships with our partners too in that way yeah and everyone mm -hmm. but i think about this as so much as like future work mm. for our kids who are gonna have like fucking 30 years of shit on mm, us like they will be they're amazing like, they're gonna they're gonna have They'll be pros. down we're gonna be like these old crotchety <laughs> old ladies and they're gonna be working it and they're gonna be like high expectations high warmth all the way baby <laughs> <laughs> like you can't call me 20 times a day nani and uh i would not call them 20 i'm not well, maybe coconut ice cream at like 2 a.m and uh, well they better do that i hope they come to all my doctor's appointments with me but i think that all of this Kelty is describing an alternate reality that we can all exist in mm. because we fucking deserve it yeah. and our kids deserve it. You know, we're all growing up. We're all learning and practicing in this new space together. And that's pretty amazing. Okay. I think I would like to read an Alfie quote. What? Yep. To conclude. Love it. Okay. Alfie Cohn says, when our kids grow up, there will be plenty of occasions for them to take their places as economic actors, as consumers and workers where self-interest rules and the terms of each exchange can be precisely calculated. But unconditional parenting insists that the family ought to be a haven, a refuge from such transactions. In particular, love from one's parents does not have to be paid for in any sense. It is purely and simply a gift it is something to which all children are entitled. And I would say us too.
I feel like we usually say that was fun, but I wanted to be like, <laughs> that was a lot. Uh, yeah, it was. But it was a lot of fun. It was. Yeah. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our Empowerment Twin Talk. So please DM, call, email, or contact us through our website, upbringing.co. We would also really appreciate you subscribing, rating, and Mm -hmm. reviewing the podcast so others can find it. We have also begun an Ask Us Anything segment at the end of our outro music, which is replacing our lullaby byes. So mm-hmm. get in touch with a question that you would like us to twin talk. It could totally be personal, professional, anything, and we'll just kind of rant and riff and uh, explore it a little bit. Yeah. Lastly, you are doing an amazing job. We're so proud of you. And we're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time. And now for the Ask Us Anything portion of our show, where we get a little vulnerable, a little personal, and a lot honest about whatever you're curious about, personally or professionally. Yes, I think that we we kind of over-talked our welcome on this episode. We went a little long, everybody. So, the that I mean, we wanted to really talk about this this kind of twin conversation that somebody mm-hmm. asked us about, and I think we should save it for next week, Kel. Okay. <clears throat> well, one question we've been getting a, a few times in different ways is, do you ever get frustrated with your kids? Hmm. And I read that, and I was like, have we not, con- like shared enough the fact that we really yes like a resounding yes that i really want to acknowledge right now yeah i think that acknowledging that is incredibly important i yes, think that absolutely and often yeah i think that it's very easy for us talking about these things having our resist approach talking about these ideals it can come off very um just kind of perfection-y, hoity-toity. Put together. Put together. Figured out. Yeah. yeah that, that we've got it all down. Like, yes, we've, we have, um, we've, we feel confident in our learning experience, this, this process. And that's what we're communicating. But we don't feel confident that we have it down all the time. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing a podcast about it. Yeah. This is, I feel like this is, and maybe it's something that we don't communicate more as articulately as we would like, but this is our practice. Mm-hmm. This is this is where we're learning and trying to put these uh, these ideals into action to better align. Yeah, and I think that, Kelly, you and I are trying to find that fine line between vulnerably expressing the trials and tribulations of our lives that we imagine so many other people are experiencing and also just getting to work about those things and yeah. saying, okay, what's next? And I think that really kind of defines parenting as it is right now publicly mm-hmm. and socially. There are lots of people who really just want to commiserate and bitch and talk about the problems. And there are also people who are like, okay, what to do? And What's what, the fix? Yeah. What's the thing? What's How are we going to change and, and move through this? I think it's, um, a two, it's two steps. It's not one side or the other. It's no. two steps in a process it, for me. It, hopefully it can yeah. be that there's a, an awareness of the situation and then there's uh, an empowerment. A call to action. A call yeah. to action. And that's why we call these episodes empowerments is to say we're acknowledging the situation and the struggle. Okay, now what's next? Mm-hmm. And so, and frustration is absolutely part of that. And it's it's a human emotion. What do that we we're do when we're doing. frustrated? Like, let's dive in very briefly. <laughs> I mean, we could like do a whole seconds. episode on all these things, but we do the self regulation things that we're trying to teach our kids. We take the deep breaths. We try to mitigate these experiences by setting everyone up for success beforehand. We leave the room if we have to, mm-hmm. with no shame and no insult. You know, I say I'm struggling a lot mm-hmm. to, right. if if I need to co- like communicate it. Right. We've had a couple people, friends, and otherwise write in and say like I'm trying to be this Zen goddess that's that's weathering the storm that's like validating all the feelings and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up and then I fucking explode on my kids and we've all been there with Mm -hmm. that many many times and that's something that that we are trying to do to sort of ease into those and make little um little treads into this path of 
attempting our best self by also showing our honest self mm-hmm. safely, safely, appropriately. It's, it's saying like, here's who I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be this this like loving, um, patient, patient person. And here's me who is struggling. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna vo- voice that and vocalize that so that I don't pent it up and and barf it all on you mm-hmm. at some point. Well, and you know that's describing the situation, describing your feelings oh, yeah. about you struggling. Talk about what you see. Right, I we see observe it happening like that. Even that really takes my blood pressure down. Mm-hmm. Saying, "I see no one's got their shoes and socks on. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing I mean, this thing. It's like whew, I'm already feeling better. I'm not feeling worse when just, I don't say anything. It out. I feel worse. Yeah, yeah, you're acknowledging for yourself what's going on because you might be the parent for your kids, but your parent isn't there acknowledging what you need in the moment. Where's my person to tell me? And then your partner gets home and, oh, doesn't happen then either. Huh, how about that? And I think part of this whole process in dealing with frustration, do we ever get frustrated, is acknowledging and managing the relationships with our partners that obviously bring up a lot of frustrations and resentments and um, things that can we can project really easily. The greater rage we talked yeah, about earlier. Yeah, the greater rage yeah. that we can unwittingly project onto our kids and our situation because they just happen to be there. So yeah. I think just all this talk about all of these things doesn't have to happen in the moment with our kids, but we can be thinking about it and reading about it and talking about it with one another. And it's all it's of those all contributing good. factors to our, to our greater sense of frustration, not right. just what we're seeing in the moment with our kids. Exactly. It's a greater frustration yeah. and that, you know, you and I talk about, we welcome all emotions. We talked about that in season two, I think. Mm-hmm. And we welcome frustration. It's information. And that's how you and I like to see it. So there you have it.